You're listening to the Underdog Sports NFL Show with host Chris Horwadell and Mario Hines. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Each week, Chris and Mario welcome current NFL stars and discuss the biggest news from around the football world. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Underdog NFL Show. Chris Horwadell joined by Mario Hines. Mario, how's What's it going? What's up, Chris, man? Uh, not much, not much. I am, uh, hey, I don't know, getting a little, getting a little concerned. Not gonna <laughs> lie. There's, uh, one week is, is an anomaly, two is a trend, and I think we're seeing things potentially worsen this week. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the coronavirus issues in the National Football League. And the one team that seems like it just can't get a break is the Kansas City Chiefs. They, you know, they have to go up against the, the Patriots, who you know probably played in an ill-advised game last weekend, and now we've got you know at least one member of the Raiders, their opponent this weekend, who is uh, who's tested positive, and you know we'll see what happens with that game. But given what we know about the gestation time of this illness, it seems absurd that a game would be played if any single individual player tested positive. Yeah, they're gonna have to get ahead of every positive test from now on. They can't go by um, the most recent test. Mm. They can't go by tested after the game. That day is done. You, you're going to have to just start building contingency upon contingency and really just put the players first. And if there's, you know, a scheduling headache, then that's just what it has to be because sooner or later it's going to be too late. Yeah, I mean, forget about a scheduling headache. It has to be a forfeit. I've been saying this forever. If, if a team has guys test positive, you forfeit. That's it. It's one game for the greater sake of the league. It's just, it's the price you have to pay in 2020. Yep, that's it. And we should just go ahead and live with it at this point because, I mean, the, there's one image that is glaring in my head um, that's been circulating around social media, and it's the mm-hmm. hug between Gilmore and, and Mahomes. And, you know, if Mahomes tests positive, I mean, that is... If Brett Favre would have, you know, came down in a car crash, you, you just, who knows? You know, it's the it's the news you definitely don't want to hear, and it's going to shake up the league, and you don't want to, you don't even want to get that far. And that's exactly right. And Gilmore was only allowed to play after his teammate Cam Newton tested positive because he had multiple negative tests. But we know mm-hmm. it can take up to fourteen days to test positive. So letting guys play when they're potentially asymptomatic and risking. Infecting other guys is absolutely absurd. You're 100% right. That is the image that everybody's going to be talking about, Gilmore and Mahomes. And Mahomes has even said, you know, on his part that it was a mistake. He shouldn't have he shouldn't have gone over and interacted with him after the game. But, I mean, that, that that's kind of petty to say that since they were just running into each other for three hours prior. Exactly. Like, there's something to that. let alone you know the congregation before or maybe not before but afterwards for sure so i mean there's so many opportunities for this to be an issue and we're lucky that you know we have it it hasn't completely imploded but what we're seeing like you said is a trend and it's just science at this point and the scary thing is that we don't know that it hasn't started to implode yet i don't want to be uh i i don't want to be hyperbolic with all of this but we're in a scary position because, you know, look at what's going on in Tennessee. You know, Tennessee was all set to reopen their facilities on Monday and then, oops, well, two more positive tests, two more guys who just, just began to test positive, who have 
presumably been asymptomatic for a week with the ability to pass the disease to other people. This, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that, that Cam tested positive on, what, a Thursday? And they played football four days later. Yeah, come on, man. Like even without three days later, seeing yeah, seeing this happen, you can, based on everything that else is happening in the country regarding this, you can definitely put your 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 right right mind forward and think that three days is not enough to make sure that all those negative tests will remain negative in three to five days. Yeah, because from what we know is they probably won't. So you're just playing a game of Russian roulette with everyone else involved. If you're the Chiefs right now, what's your head like knowing that for a second weekend in a row, you may have to play a team that's has players infected? It's it's scary. I think, you know, and again, like you said, not to be hyperbolic, but like in fear, I don't want to, but not fear as far as, you know, threat, but like, like kind of like nervousness, trepidation, and you just don't know. And, You'd want to have your complete mind on playing football. You don't want to have it anywhere else, and it's going to start to creep into that way in before games, during prep, uh, after games with your families. I mean, there's when uh, Tennessee, while Tennessee is currently going through this, you think about you know coaching staffs and their family. Like those are people who are one, uh, two degrees removed from even you know that that get through it mentality mm. that football has that don't want to deal with this, you know, that don't have the, you know, the, the, don't have the, the muscle memory to even find a weird, strange, maybe sometimes unhealthy place to put distraction to the side or put fear to the side. It, it can really cause a lot of disruption. Yeah. You know, two more, like I said, two more Titans test positive, bring that number up to 11. One of them, the biggest name of that group is wide receiver, Corey Davis. The Titans are going to be fined because they broke protocol by holding an informal team workout. Uh, I believe it was at a high school or a college or something like that while their facility was closed and they weren't supposed to meet together. I, you know, some of the guys have come out and said, look, you know, we're not practicing for fun. This is this is our livelihood. But at the same time, like, you have to follow protocols. Yeah, it's and we're not telling you to stop for fun. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> it goes both ways. You know, it's it's really important that as important as practice is, it's more important for you to to slow down and in that practice. You know, the less you around each other, the better. That's really as simple as it as it needs to be. And you know, it's taking um, a lot of what these guys are taught, and I'm and maybe I'm I'm dancing too much on the side of understanding the the football mind but it takes a lot for these guys to unlearn like push through it or this is the most important thing in your life right now and it has to click for everybody and my big thing is it has to click from the top down and it has to be something where leadership is is taking control so you can protect guys from themselves because it's serious this is one of the rare times that uh, you know i want to point to something that uh the leadership of this country says and just just think about this just think about this our, our guy, he gets uh, he gets out of the hospital. He says, I feel 20 years younger. They're, these are 20-year-olds. You want to feel two years old? No. Take take care of yourself. <laughs> there you go. For the mask on a math, you don't want to be playing football at two years old. Period. Yeah, how about the fact that uh, like, we're seeing such wild variance and adherence to the mask policies? You see guys like Bill Belichick who, uh, you know, he may pull out a third mask this weekend. Do you think he's wearing at three? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Andy is basically in a in um, a hermetically sealed suit at this point. 
and but then you have guys like Gruden, and no surprise that you know the Raiders have been already fined for having the the event outside of the the facility where a bunch of the guys weren't wearing masks. Gruden's been fined numerous times. He was also not in adherence fully last weekend. So this is going to be really interesting to see what happens this weekend because before last week's game, you know, Raj came out and he said, "Hey, you guys like your draft picks? Okay, well wear your mask." Or you're not going to have some of your draft picks. And then a couple of guys didn't wear their mask. And then Raj came out and said, hey, you guys like playing games? Well, wear your mask. Or you might not be playing games. But we haven't actually seen any punishment on the on the, you know, the more harsh end of that. So I would love to see... The, I would love to see the Raiders get punished with draft pick loss this week because teams need to know, shit, we, okay, well, we have to take this seriously. Yeah, like hit them where it absolutely hurts and then keep doing it and keep hitting them until they get it. Because right now it seems there's like a standoff. And this is the, the silliest version of, of whatever ground you want to stand at this point because, you know, again, what is what do you have to gain mm-hmm. by not wearing Just wear it. And exa- exactly right. And uh, for the record, I wouldn't start with any of this, like, bullshit, oh, you lost the seventh-round pick stuff. No, your fourth-round pick's gone. Your your first pick on day three it does not exist anymore. Try us again, and you'll lose your third-round pick. Try us again, you'll lose your second-round pick. There it is. And these will not be, this will not be an escalation of that one lost pick. They will all just be lost to you forever. And that, and that, I think, would ring so loud. I'm almost, I don't wish that on anyone, but I also would love to see it. Oh, no, I wish it on the Raiders. <laughs> just just because they're <laughs> flaunting in the face of this, you know? And California is still bad, man. California is still bad with coronavirus. And they, well, I guess, the, well, they're not there anymore, so it's less of a problem. And and surprisingly, <laughs> I, I, I was looking at the, the recent, like, uh, the maps of, the, the density in terms of infections and uh, Las Vegas surprisingly not that bad although I do wonder how much of it's just not being reported because that feels wrong right. to me right. um, Baker Mayfield said a couple of interesting things this week one he said uh, to me it's it's not that damn hard just wear your mask we all want to play football I'm like yeah it's that simple man it's yeah it's where your damn mask it's the collective it's the collective thing like you want to play i want to play just like you want to go out i want to go out you want to have fun I'm, wear your mask everyone this is a simple message to wear your mask and we all will eventually get the things we want maybe not not wearing a mask is the thing right. that you want that you won't be able to get but all the other things yeah you had the option to opt out of this season if you didn't want to play you knew the rules coming in adhere to them or be punished strictly great point because i'm sick of this man i don't i don't like this waking up every morning to see how we worry about the espn notifications of how many new guys have tested positive right and i don't want it to escalate into anything else from that well although the raiders losing draft picks although it's previously established uh baker also said something else funny this week and moving on from the coronavirus thing one of the reporters asked him if he finds himself running into people who still hang on to the Browns' history of losing and just kind of want to focus on that history of losing in that organization. Baker said to the, to a group of reporters, well, yeah, for starters, you guys, but also around town. 
<laughs> like the question is the answer's in the question, sir. Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> right. That was actually pretty good, Baker. I don't think you're playing very well, but pretty good nonetheless. He's doing all right. I mean, his biggest problems uh, tend to happen outside cheesecake factories at this point, but <laughs> but on the field, he's been okay. You know, you see him very much in that same vein as uh, as what Kirk Cousins was in his early times in Minnesota, where kind of figuring out the offense and where he can take advantage and, uh, and you know where he can't because it it is a little limiting on a quarterback and with good reason the Browns rushing offense right now is historically good they just put up 309 yards rushing against the Dallas Cowboys this past weekend that was the most the Cowboys have given up in their history yeah it was a it took me by surprise for one the the extreme level of success but the success actually running the ball is what we expected and hoped for and i mean what's happening on that front five and the consistency oh, yeah. and and the plug and play i mean no chub for a while but you know not missing a beat it's 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 what they need and i think it's what baker needs so yeah finding space finding room to figure out what to do in there uh is is way better scenario than every week um, try, finding a way to make sure Baker is uh, contained. I think having him find ways to to make more plays while also you know making less mistakes is way better. And it's a luxury to lose a guy like Nick Chubb and be like, all right, well, Kareem Hunt's the running back now. Yeah, I know you might have some people in the back like, I love the substitute way better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Than our real, our real I mean, Chubb is uh, he's outstanding. There's no question about that. But we talk about that 309 yards rushing. I believe Chubb contributed five carries for 34 yards of that. So it's not like he had a giant game. And then you know the uh, there was just sort of the the other guys who added to it. No, he he contributed uh, 34, and the rest of the team added 275. I mean, come on, and, and and when they get going and they're going downhill and 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 everything looks smooth, and then you add end rounds and and, oh, and reverses. God. I mean, with with the explosive playmaking of of Odell, mm. then yeah, you've got a run game that can can keep you in most games. I was so so obviously that that was one of the more interesting games of the year so far. The the Browns are just taking a giant dump on the Cowboys the whole game. Fourth quarter opens, Cowboys are down twenty seven. <laughs> Cowboys get it to three. Uh, and at that point, you just thought, all right, well, Browns are definitely going to lose this. I think we can yeah. all agree. And then that very next play is that that end around to, to Odell where he probably, uh, what's his name? Alden Smith probably should have gotten him for like a 12-yard loss. But Odell just runs away from him. Then a bunch of guys over pursue, and all of a sudden it's a 50-plus yard touchdown and it's a game saved. Yes, and you know the 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 biggest part of that that I think is less uh, Alden Smith's fault and more uh, Odell beating the edge, which is one of the few th- one of the few players that can actually do that is what you're you're paying them to do. So a major applause to to the offense and and getting your your hands your hand weapons uh, on hands. Whoa, <laughs> getting the ball in the hands of your weapons. There we are. Uh, there we go. Uh, at one at the right time, but in, in low risk opportunities that turn into big, big reward. And that's what we've been all waiting for. We thought that, look, you can simplify mm-hmm. it, do what you do best. It doesn't have to be crazy because you've got guys and now the guys are doing what they do. Yeah. You mentioned that front five, you know, Conklin take PFF grades for what they are. 
but Conklin is the fourth highest rated offensive tackle on PFF through uh, this part of the season. And Wyatt Teller, a guy who's just, you know, has come out of absolute nowhere. They get him from the Bills for, I think, a fifth round pick a couple of years ago. He has the highest, uh, or the, sorry, the second highest uh, run block grade. I believe it's since PFF started grading run blocks. Like wow. he has been that dominant. It's it's unbelievable how good he has been. And yeah, it's just that plus Jedrick Wills doesn't even give up a pressure. Uh, the rookie, the rookie number ten overall pick doesn't give up a pressure this week. Man, you know, you know, offensive lines want to run block. They want to be aggressive. They want to go forward, not backwards. And it's amazing yeah. how much having a run-heavy offense can positively inf- uh, uh, impact your offensive line. It's literally the best. It's literally the best feeling. And uh, it takes me back to my junior year when our offensive line was just amazing. Um, uh, run blockers. Uh, some, oh, shots fired at their pass blocking. Myself. I know it was. It just was younger guys that that were really good and and could just. We had two, we actually were starting two freshmen and, and they were just physically imposing and and understood what the what the deal was when it came to running and so we were able to do whatever we wanted and that felt very very good. Um, down, I mean, yeah, drive in and drive out when you're not sure um, how you're gonna get, get the ball rolling if you're ever starting off mm-hmm. slow. It always feels good that you know like. Okay, let's get to our to our run game and and everybody settles down. I want to talk about this a little bit more, but we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Hey guys, it's Chris and the wait is finally over. Football is now back in full swing. The NBA Finals are here and the MLB playoffs are heating up as well. You might not be able to go to any of these games this year, but you can still be in on all of the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures right now. Head to BetOnline today to take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Another really fun weekend in the NFL this year. We finally get a chance to see teams sort of sort themselves out a little bit. We see who teams really are. And I don't think that's going to be any more evident than in the Philadelphia Eagles-Pittsburgh Steelers game. Are the 1-2-1 uh, one, and one Eagles actually okay? Are the Steelers as good as their 3-0 record suggests? We're going to find out this Sunday, and I, for one, can't wait. To get in on all that action and oh so much more, visit our good friends and the exclusive partner at Podcast One Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use the promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. That's P O D C A S T O N E. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Mario, we're back. Before the break, we were talking about, you know, the Robert Morris young offensive line and their run blocking. I want to ask you, when you're playing on a team, as a wide receiver, when you're playing on a team that is more run heavy, do you have a hard time staying in the game as a wide receiver? Yes. Short answer, yes. The thing that kept me alive is being a return Mm -hmm. guy. So I have the the dual experience of, how am I getting out of this or why was I able to find times to lock in? But 
you, it's just hard to get into a flow. Um, and the flow that I mean from a wide receiver, wide receiver perspective is your route running. Mm. Um, it's hard to really set a guy up and feel like you're good, you're good to go, and that you you truly understand what a DB wants to do against you if um, you're run heavy and and even if you're successfully running the ball. So let's not a, let's not talk about the offense is sputtering and you start to get frustrated because you're not contributing and also you're not feeling good about you know possibility of losing or not scoring points. But sometimes it's just even you know okay the offense is 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 clicking on the ground. But you really just don't know. You still are not sure about your matchup. You're still not sure which play is the play that to 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 take back to coach to say this is the one from our game plan that's actually going to be successful. It's it's a little bit more difficult to do that, and it can lull you to sleep or cause some frustration. How well do you remember individual games? Are they just all kind of a blur to you at this point, or do, can can you remember what you did in individual games? I can remember individual games as far as moments. They're really flashes of moments, good and very good to very bad. Like it, it, it really, you know, <laughs> hovers into in that area. But it would be hard for me to just even run, you know, a game. One of my best games. I still, I would have a hard time running like just a quarter of it, like figuring out what happened in the the entire fourth quarter. That's, 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 I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I do. I do want to play a game. We've, I've got your senior season numbers in front of me. I would like you to tell me you scored four touchdowns that season. I'd like to tell how many of those, uh, how many, how many teams that you scored a touchdown against can you name? Okay, my senior year, I actually know this by heart. Um, let's see, receiving receiving touchdowns. touchdowns it was yeah, Wagner, St. Francis. Uh huh. Two of four. Oh my gosh! Okay, that's good. Oh, Dayton, Dayton. Jeez, where are we going? Who's in the NEC this time? <laughs> is the issue? Uh, wow, this is actually—I was very confident going into this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have too many to choose from. Oh man, I'm trying to give you a, an, another way that you'd have a clue. Sacred, Sacred Heart, Heart is correct. Sacred <laughs> Heart is correct. Do you remember which game was your biggest game of your senior season? In terms of total uh, receiving yards. Total receiving yards. That would have had to have been um, either Dayton or um, senior year. What is that? Team? I'm going to be real impressed because you're, ha- you're half right right now. I'm going to be real impressed if you can come up with this other one. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Moorhead, Moorhead State. State is correct. <laughs> Moorhead State is correct. Uh, if you had to guess. What were what was the uh, your single game receiving peak? What was the most uh, single game receiving yards you had as a senior? Oh, senior was that um, ninety one? Uh, you got um, uh, oh ninety oh ninety one. I was gonna say you no Mario, you weren't in college in nineteen ninety one. That doesn't sound right. Uh, Close, eighty-five. That's that's still really okay. really good. You did. I'm gonna tell you that you did impressively well, like impressively <laughs> well. All right, last one. And what what was the only game your senior year you had a carry? Oh wow. Oh man, it's so hard. I'm like I just have to go moment to moment. <laughs> that's really odd that I only had one carry my senior year. And I want to take what us through under- this play. I would love to know. I would love to know what happened. What under usage. Oh, it was St. Francis. It was. And uh, what was the play call? Oh, it was... Um, oh, I wish I could remember the plays. 
What are we talking end? Or are we I talking mean, end around? What are we talking here? Yeah, end uh, end around. It wasn't a, it wasn't a reverse. I received it from the uh, quarterback. Um, I actually, it was it was dead in the water, um, and I was able to cut back and 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 uh, St. Francis had nothing for me <laughs> that day. I had, I had one of my better punt returns. You did? Um, yeah, that day. I think I had like a forty or fifty yarder. That was another like just. I think I got all 11 guys to the ground mm-hmm. um, before gassing out. And it was actually the week after um, Deshaun's big return against Tennessee, mm. I believe. And that's how that's really how I mark it. But, yeah, it was just an end around, and they, they, I, just had, I just felt really good against this defense. Yeah, against St. Francis, um, one carry for 14 yards. You're right. You make, a, make something out of nothing there. You get four catches for 56 a kick return for 22 and uh, four punt returns for 82, including a 48 yarder. Not bad. Not bad. You did really well there. I'm genuinely impressed by that. (laughs) Yeah. it's. I'm genuine. Apparently 14 was also your high in rushing yards in uh, your junior season, but I'm not going to make you go back that far. Yeah. yeah, Apparently (laughs) Butler was not very good. Your, uh, your junior season, you had your, no, most rushing yards, no. longest rush, most rushing touchdowns, and most receiving yards against Butler. They stuck. <laughs> Shots fired <laughs> at Butler. Uh, good basketball team, though, and that's that's really what's important Weird. there. Uh, speaking of a team that stinks really bad, Mario, how are you feeling about your Lions? My goodness. So here's the thing. I'm uh, First, I have this thing that I have to have where I caught the game mm. late, and by late I mean about a half hour late. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, they were probably doing well because I have this thing where if I'm watching intimately, they just know to, to underperform mm-hmm. or what m- probably more closely is to perform at peak. You know, <laughs> this is just a bad team playing. And uh, of course I come home to a 14 nothing lead and I don't understand what's going on, but that is just disappears so fast. And, um, Matt Patricia just does not have a hold of this no. team. This, they don't they are not good at being good and that's a weird critique and it's not even it's, it's not a football critique because sometimes they look good in man other times they don't situational football is really really bad um i think matt stafford has regressed a bit i, I don't know if 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 you know there's something to do with feeling like you have to you know be be urgent mm-hmm. overly urgent um with the defense there's something that he knows that we don't because he was definitely more relaxed last year before the oh, injuries yeah. oh yeah uh, so i mean it just doesn't feel good right now as a lions fan no uh stats basically down across the board for stafford completing only 60 percent of his passes which you know would come very near a uh, a career low that he set 59.8 percent uh, sorry 53.3 percent as a rookie but we're not really going to count that 59 8 in uh, in 2012 Eight touchdowns to three interceptions, so on pace for what, thirty-two and twelve is, which isn't bad, but you know it's not what we expected from Stafford when last season it very easily could have been forty touchdowns and five thousand yards passing. Exactly, exactly, and 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 really, I mean, yeah, you can throw the 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 Galladay thing in there, but um, the, the they had they had a, some good matchups going to start the year, so there was ways for him to find ways to to be successful with his number. What do we think of the uh, the Adrian Peterson experiment so far? Because it seems like he had those couple of good games early, but that the sun done set on that. 
<laughs> yeah, and what did we expect? I'm also, I, I'm, I'm almost not angry about it because that makes more sense yeah. <laughs> than him having a stellar season, especially through four games. I think what's happening out, what it was averaging out to be, is probably what it should have been across the board. Uh, instead of expecting, you know, high production, it's just that we're not replacing it with anything. If he's going down, no one's stepping up, nothing's increasing. I mean, there is a difference. I will say with with Galladay in the Galladay in mm-hmm. the in the lineup, he makes a difference, uh, and Marvin Jones looks improved just because he gets more space and different opportunities. But you know, just our run game is is non-existent, and and now, so I think it. I don't know which personnel staff member said they they're getting out of Swift what they expected, huh? and I'm like. You that man, that was not it. a good draft pick, man. Exactly. Um, this is a borderline first round right. guy that we're talking about. Yeah, we yeah, thought he'd be a replacement level player, but we picked him anyway. <laughs> you know, because we felt bad. He was still on the board. We didn't want him to lose. wait any longer. It didn't seem right. Could have oh, taken man. a player we thought was better, but man, we made our decision. Just like we made our decision exactly. with Matt Patricia. Right. So when are we? I mean, I think it's just. We're we're in position to to be a team that is is hiring a new a new coach and and bringing a new staff and that is where I'm looking I'm looking to see what teams are having success and who's to uh, attribute to that and hopefully we can convince them to come on board once we decide that this uh, version of us is over. I don't want you to get too excited about the future here, but I think there's a realistic chance Adam Gase is going to be available. If Gase if Gase will have us, no, that would be so bad, but also so. Yeah, what if likely. what if you were the team where Adam Gase is like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I've been around and I'll pass. Oh man, that would hurt the fans. Yeah, man, that's just relocation is really the only option at that point. You just have to wait and start again. <laughs> this oh, this thing has been burned to the ground. How about Patricia? He that guy is not winning fans in Detroit either. He's Basically taking shots at, you know, the team he inherited, taking shots at, you know, the, the previous coach, Jim Caldwell, despite the fact that Jim Caldwell was better than him almost every single season. Yes, Jim Caldwell's worst season. He's worse. I, I just, I don't know. First of all, he lied and didn't inherit a mess. No. Um, the roster was strong. Uh, I think maybe the biggest thing were contracts were off. Okay, mm. so... I'll give him that. But other than that, man, it's looked worse and worse and worse. And the thing about it is that you handpicked this team, Matt Patricia. So it's not like you're still scrambling to to fix a mess. You've literally moved guys that were um, you know, at least a, a little more highly regarded than, than what we've got going on now. And it's it's been nothing but a train wreck since. And you haven't taking any accountability in doing so which has also run off any other guys that might have wanted to stay it's been it's been terrible it's like he's it's a hoax yeah you know it's the the Caldwell firing I thought was always a little bit weird when they let him go in 2017 in in four years and like you know he he comes off comes to Detroit after going 14 and 0 or uh, sorry 2 and 14 very different seasons 2 and 14 in Indianapolis and like okay we we know what happened at that point there was giant struggles with the Colts uh but he goes 11 and 5 in that first year in 2014 then 7 and 9 9 and 7 9 and 7 did they win a bunch of playoff games no no they didn't but when we're talking about a guy who is what uh 29 38 38 and 
I don't know, 27 over his career. Like, that's a good coach. Yeah, you don't you don't just easily show that guy the door. We've seen guys lose 30 games in three years. So yeah. let's not do this thing where, I mean, we're about to see it again, I think. No. Um, let's not do this thing where this is absolute, you know, foolishness and that mediocrity isn't a decent place to stand on in Detroit. And that's where... You know, the hard conversation is that we got front office, got a little bit and, and, and a lot of fans, to be to be honest, got a little bit ahead of the, our, our britches. I think we thought Calvin, you know, is similar to the LeBron thing. Calvin should just be force fed and there's no reason why our offenses struggle mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's like, you know, yes, there is a lot of mismanagement of, of, of game situations, but that's really the worst that was happening is that we weren't getting over the hump because, you know, I think. The coach was doing uh, the safe thing, and guys weren't um, weren't coming through. Mm-hmm. And then so it's personnel, and and yes, the coach is going to take the blame. But I think there was there was some fixes in there that that were a much better uh, approach than than getting Caldwell out of there. Yeah, it's crazy to me that Peterson's got fifty four carries when like basically signing a handful of weeks before the season, and the the young, well thought of combination of Carryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift have thirty three carries between them. Like what? What is this that's, organization doing? That's the stat. That's the stat that you bring in. You lead with that slide on your proposal. Yeah. Well, on <laughs> on the congratulations, you're fired, Matt. Uh, meeting that yeah. they're going to be having any weeks, any week now. Yeah. Uh, God willing. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of the Underdog NFL Show. For Mario Hines, I'm Chris Howardell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later this week.